Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 289. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Star Trek Discovery's fourth season episodes, All In and Rubicon. Here we go. All In, Season 4, Episode 8, original release date, February 10th, 2022. Directed by Christopher J. Byrne and Jen McGowan, written by Sean Cochran. Guest cast include Odette Fair as Charles Vance, Sean Doyle as Ron Tarka, Chella Horsdahl as Lara Rillick, Daniel Cash as Haas Mazzaro, Annabelle Wallace as Zora, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oshikun, Michael Chan as Ops Officer, Daniel DeSanto as Curves Manager, Jason Gosby as Matrub, Emmanuel John as Security Officer, Claudia Jurt as Zakari, Jeff Cassell as Referee, Warren Sharer as Kerr and Oksana Sirju as Cashier. Angered by Captain Burnham's inability to predict Book's actions, Federation President Relic sidelines Discovery from pursuit and assigns Burnham to conduct research on Species 10C, the creators of the DMA, in preparation for first contact. Admiral Vance feels personal responsibility over Tarka's apparent betrayal and secretly meets with Burnham and orders the captain to employ her cunning mind to find a way to stop Book. I may have something. The sphere data has records of a civilization located 30 light years away from these coordinates, just inside the galactic barrier. The stealth. They're warp capable. So they're advanced enough and close enough that their standard stellar survey should cover the area we need. Zora, has the Federation ever crossed paths with the stealth? No, and no diplomatic relations exist, but they've dealt with the Orions in the past. Rather complicated intermediaries. We don't have to go through them. I know a broker on Parathia. He has relationships with everyone. He can get us what we need. A broker? He's an old friend. I will have to make the request myself. Steve, from your new abode. (laughs) Yes. Get us going on all it. Yes. Uh, so actually, yeah, this is one of the first big things I saw in my new media room in my new abode. So pausing every five minutes to tweak a little something here and there, as one does. No, I, um, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I liked it. I mean, it was relatively entertaining as it went. But the thing was, it also felt kind of a, um, a let down a bit from the peak of where they left off. Like this is basically a, one of these half season things they're doing where you know they took off a couple months we went somewhere else so it was kind of a cliff a mini cliffhanger in the middle of a season so it felt a little bit like they kind of like to resolve the to resolve this peak they just kind of like created kind of a sub story for a while like well we kind of let's let's table that and move on to something else but we did you know get to see something a little different uh, we saw this kind of underground gambling den uh, we saw this face off with the uh you know, basically playing cards and whatnot and this kind of, um, you know, uh, battle of wits or whatnot. Um, you know, I thought it was relatively entertaining, although it kind of, um, it, it kind of felt like just a, a bit of a letdown, unique, but more of the same. Um, I do like how they were continuing to see uh, one-on-one type scenes and episodes and they're doing this all season long where we see uh you know uh for they'll step away for a few minutes have a discussion between two of the main characters i think that that's valuable 
but uh, we get a little insight into uh, the whole Boronite thing that's revealed here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think this is an awful episode by any means, but I don't think it's fantastic either. But perhaps that's a little bit of uh, what happens after a, um, you know, a cliffhanger type thing or, you know, it's hard, it's hard to manage expectations for the viewer, I think, a bit. So that's my first reflections. Yeah, maybe it would have um, blended in the surrounding episodes a little better if there hadn't been a you know, a month off or something, maybe. Uh, Adam, your uh, your first thoughts here? Overall, I like the episode. Um, you know, obviously you have this conflict between Book and Burnham. You know, it's in it, it, I, they portray it, it does a, it's kind of weird because they kind of portray it in this episode. It's almost, uh, it's borderline kind of cute because there's still kind of like in a relationship, you have the, um, you know, this owner of this facility kind of begging them both on because they he knew them in a previous life. So we're getting also getting a little bit more insight in what, um, Burnham did for that year when Discovery, um, when they were going through time back through season two and all that stuff. So, you know, you, there's still like this cute relationship thing going on, but the underlying thing is, is like, you know, book is still kind of betrayed. He has betrayed her. He's betrayed what the, you know, the Federation and everybody voted for to deal with this. So yeah, it's cute. And I don't, but it, it, I don't think it also portrays kind of the seriousness of kind of like what's gone down. That kind of cutes it up with this kind of like, Oh, we're, we're both competing for this bid for this isolinium, which is, you know, which they kind of underlie, which is incredibly dangerous, but I don't know that the reality and the seriousness of the episode didn't kind of match. I'm not saying I didn't, didn't like that. It just kind of didn't, it didn't reverberate for me. Um, the cuteness of it, you know, the, the kind of the gameplay that, that Burnham and book have in their relationship. They kind of explain that away with this facility. You know, you have to, it's not Federation. It's not part of the Federation. They have to give up their weapons and that kind of thing. But it also kind of seems like if they knew book and this guy were there, they would have had some way to communicate to the Federation to be like, Hey, here they are. Come get them. Um, so that's kind of my initial complaints about the, the episode, but yeah, it kind of, it kind of felt like, um, Discovery's version of Cork's Bar that's kind of that kind of had that kind of same kind of familiar you know the gambling you know the 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 side deals and that kind of stuff. There was literally some of the production design reminded me of that, just like some of the yellows and the I don't know, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. The sounds, um, mm-hmm. you know, the how what what is the 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 owner of the establishment? Haas. Haas. I mean, he's not Ferengi, but he kind you know he, he has that kind of same mentality that Cork did way back in the day. So I, I, the nostalgia in me kind of enjoyed that, um, um, kind of, you know, that back in DS nine type stuff. So those are my initial thoughts. I don't know that we've necessarily seen all of these things in Star Trek before, but we've certainly seen them in, you know, other, like in other TV shows or movies or whatever. The dragon was kind of cool. The security to get into that, you know, the, yeah, that was cute. Uh, I didn't see that coming. It's a different kind of set. It's a, it's more of like a, a casino barge. There was a little bit of, um, like, th- that. that's a good example of something that, you know, Burnham knew what that was because of her history there. So I always like filling out the backstory a little bit or reminding us about the universe that we don't see in Star Trek. And we've gotten little hints about that that time she had. I know I've talked a lot about that book that I enjoyed, but what we've actually seen in the show has been very little from the the mysterious year they pull any they pull any of this from the book no and this this wasn't in the book at all so you know obviously there are they have this history and they had a history with haas and there he has his little names for everybody that was fun so those are the kind of things that i enjoyed about it but overall there wasn't a lot to it uh it was nice to see a 
really have like a full on like she was a guest star in this episode. She wasn't just a bridge person. And that's a comment that I'll have when we talk about the next one. I, I like the way we've talked about that before, but I like the way this show like promotes people from within or brings back people. Um, it makes it feel more real. And that's something that I've obviously that's the thing, uh, a way that I love Star Trek. So I enjoy stuff like that too. And, you know, she's, uh, she's a good actress. It's kind of like, I hope that doesn't sound insulting, but it's like surprising because they hired her to say shields up <laughs> is what it feels like. And turns out she can act. We've seen that with some other people on this show too. So that's great. Let me, I'll go back to something Steve said. I mean, I, I do agree that, you know, I think we've mentioned this before, like the, the pacing of this season is, oh, what's the word? I'm far more comfortable to me, you know, than past seasons where you feel like you're on the edge of your seat every episode. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having that kind of, you know, that ride for a couple episodes, but you know, the, the DMA or whatever, you know, this, the catastrophe in this season has really taken to me, it's kind of taken a background to everything else. Whereas like in past seasons where the tragedy was just in your face the whole time. So it's been kind of nice. You get to, you get, you have these character interactions that we haven't been able to have time for, you know, things are going so fast, you can't keep up with it. And so I, I will comment on like, you know, I think that's what you were mentioning, Steve, that the, the place. The way I would disagree with that though, is what you were talking about a few minutes ago was the like discordant tone I wasn't really able to enjoy this episode. I didn't have fun watching them. Banter. Yeah, banter or the the card playing, the gambling stuff, or um, rigging up the, hustling up the bet in the fight sequence and all that stuff. Because it's like, oh, they're but they're making this crazy weapon and they're trying to stop it from being deployed. And Yeah, the seriousness didn't match it. That, no. Yeah, so if that hadn't been the thing, if they were just going there for a less crazy reason... I think I could have set back and en enjoyed some of that a little more. Yeah, the stakes seem inevitably high. They're, the stakes have never been, like, moderate in this series. They're always high, you know, so that kind of hurts them a bit. Yeah, it does. It makes it hard to do something like the card game. Right, right. The stakes are always so high, it, it, it doesn't leave you a lot of places to go. I mean, you know, how much more can you ramp it up if you've got it ramped up all the time? And like i said that was worse in past seasons um i think what we're kind of debating here is like the the is the tone of the moment correct for what they're trying to say um and i and i would be, agree with you more brian that you know yeah it kind of threw me off but midway through the i mean i kind of it didn't ruin the episode for me i still kind of enjoyed those moments and that kind of thing because okay this is the decision that they're kind of they're making it wouldn't have been the one i would have done writing this episode but you know, we're not writing Star Trek episodes. <laughs> I like uh, some of these these one-on-one -on -one scenes like you brought up, Steve. There was, in this episode, we had the... Colber is stressed out because he feels like he failed book. There's that scene with him and Stamets in their quarters. They made reference to going to the holodeck. And it was funny because I was like, oh, they don't do holodeck stuff on this show. <laughs> I don't even know if they've referenced it. They probably have, but it's not like so many other Star Trek shows where the holodeck was such a, like a staple of it. And I kind of, and I realized as they said that, and I'm like, I know they're not going to cut to the actual holodeck. They're just saying they're going to go there. And I realized as they were saying, it, I'm like, I like that they don't do that a lot here. <laughs> you know, I like that. That's just not a part of this show. I think it's good. I think it's good and healthy. I'm glad. Yeah. There was a scene. Um, 
where Awashikun speaks with Tarka while Burnham and Booker playing their their game. I don't know that we learned anything in that scene, but it was it was just some good acting, and I, I liked it. Well, it was a good way to cut away from the obvious tell side, you know, like hey, you yeah, know. yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're all subtle with their signals there. Well, yeah. you know, they, they set these other two um, two characters up as these really ruthless gangster like people, but they couldn't pick pick up, you know, like um, tell signs. <laughs> of course, you know, if if Burnham had played to help those ex Orion syndicate folks if they had won the isolinium there probably would be better odds that it wouldn't have been used to destroy the dna <laughs> right right but we'll get to that next episode uh so the last thing we discovered in this episode is that the purpose of the dma is that it's a maybe it's like an autonomous mining machine or something Bor, what how did you what did you say Born Knight? Born Knight, I think. Born Knight? I thought it was Born Knight. Born Knight. Born Knight. I'm not 100% on that. All right. Have we heard this term before? This, yes. I did a little research. Uh, Star Trek Voyager referenced it. It has to do with that Omega Particle episode. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, the notion is that they could be using this to have perpetual kind of inner, you know, they could create energy so the thing that fascinated seven so much about it but she wasn't yes. able to yeah 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 so there's a reference there so i don't know if they'll further that reference in the future but you know it's that that has been mentioned before yeah this was yeah this was the one where we saw the changeling that pretty much yeah, looked like a changeling yeah. like ds9 right. kind of changeling which i don't think we've seen since ds9 right yeah not really the, the, the facial features yeah were pretty much for sure yeah that was the changeling we know yeah i looked that up and it said yes the last time we saw actually a, change, a real changeling was was uh the end of ds9 although prodigy had a holographic changeling what is this episode about so i had a little trouble trying to figure out what this episode was trying to say i, re- I really did i mean it's 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 not like that episode wasn't entertaining or i didn't like it but i, I did have a hard time trying to figure out what they're trying to say here i guess you know, you have to stick to your morals to, you know, even if you have to go against loved ones. I, I, don't, I don't know. What did you have, Steve? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's clear cut that, you know, th- there's this notion of taking chances and sticking to your guns and, you know, so forth, so on and so forth to get what you want. But yeah, it's, it's pretty loose. I think it, it's more of just kind of a mediocre, semi-entertaining episode, <laughs> middle of the road, you know, and I don't I don't think it has a lot to say, in my opinion. Either. All right, shortest what's it about ever. <laughs> Let's do six degrees for all in. Steve? Yep. Daniel Cash plays the casino owner, Haas Mazzaro. He previously played Dugan in the episode Terra Firma Part 2, part of a coup attempt against Emperor Giorgio, instigated and led by what character? Mm, Lorca? Yep, Lorca. I thought maybe you'd forget the name. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're, the answer, you kind of sounded unsure there, Lorca? <laughs> That's because he was so sure that he thought he must be wrong. Right. <laughs> Too much confidence. We, we should start doing, for these one questions, we should start doing buzzers. We both get like, oh, yeah, that's, that's an idea. Uh, all right, Steve has one. Moving on. Rubicon, Season 4, Episode 9. Original release date, February 17th, 2022. Directed by Andy Armagonian. Written by Alan McElroy. Guest cast include Odette Fair as Charles Vance. Rachel Oncheryl as Nan. Sean Doyle as Ron Tarka. 
Tara Rosling as Tarina, Annabelle Wallace as Zora, Emily Kutz as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwakshun as Gen Reese, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oshkun, Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sari Midich as Nellis Nilsson, excuse me, Orville Cummings as Christopher, and David Benjamin Tomlinson as Linus. Having obtained the isolinium necessary to complete the device designed to destroy the dark matter anomaly, Book and Tarka take refuge in a rogue planetary body to finish constructing their weapon. Burnham, hoping to persuade Book with new information to stand down, races to stop him and Tarka from launching a rogue plan that could inadvertently endanger the entire galaxy. You haven't been answering our hails. Been a little busy. Impressive maneuvering, by the way. Me too. Look, we can't go on like this. If we keep digging in on our own sides, we'll keep battling each other and not the real threat. I know you get that. You said you wish there was a middle ground. I do. I'm sending you new data. Quote, Whatever one's opinions, we all have our orders, unquote. I realize that is Kelpian for opinions are like a-holes. Everybody has one. (laughs) I swear that's what I thought Saru was saying on the bridge. Opinions? I can you know he has that way of speaking. Opinions are like (laughs) I would have loved to hear that. Adam, kick us off on Rubicon. Rubicon. So here we go from leading off on the last episode. Obviously, Burnham lost the Isolinium. To book in the last episode, but she was, she managed to put a tracking device on there. So they know where book and Tarka are, um, and they go find him. And obviously, we get um, what is it? Our security chief returns. What is her name? Oh my god, Non. Non. She returns because um, you know nobody trusts Burnham to, you know, make the call if she has to, you know, to take out book and Tarka for this kind of thing. So we're, so we have her return. So that's an interesting dynamic. You actually have a. A real, basically a trigger man aboard the bridge that's going to say, hey, you know, um, you can't make the call. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shoot him down. So overall, I like this episode, but um, again, um, I kind of have the same complaints that I did from the first episode with the book Burnham relationship. You know, they, you know, they have the safe card that they're going to bring in, you know, so she doesn't have to make the call if they have to take these two out. But they get there and I I don't know. to me, it's just like, well, you're there. You can see his ship. Just disable it. You know, why do you have to go and you know do this this team to go over there and, and take the ship and that kind of thing? So maybe that's something that looked better on paper. And then you got this whole. And maybe what it was is like you know. So throughout this whole episode, Book is losing faith in Tarka. So maybe that's why they did this because Tarka almost kills all of his friends when they go over there on the shuttlecraft to take over the ship. But I, I don't know, I, I, like I said, I was like, I, I think this is, it's not translating very well because it doesn't make Burnham look, it, it doesn't make her look good because they're there. She could have taken him out. You have another character that's there to, you know, basically override her. And so I don't know why that just kind of bothered me throughout the whole episode that it, it, it I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that, Steve? And it's kind of like, I, I, I couldn't quite get around that. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of mixed, you know, because on one hand, it, it does make a character seem weak, perhaps, you know, but this series has done a lot to try to um, 
emphasize the, the you know, the, the perils of the psychological issues going on. You know, I mean, in a way, you could, it depends on how you look at it. In a way, this kind of stuff with Book and Burnham is almost like this, the weirdest rom-com you've ever seen, or it's a um, reality thing where emotions are part of what we are, you know, the feelings of the people we interact with. And so, you know, it's not as simple as just go in and take out somebody or whatever. And in reality, that's the only way this makes any sense, because if you had a chance to take out somebody and finish your mission, you would just do it. But there's some subjectivity here. There's the, the relationship and whatnot. What's also interesting is this notion of having non-present. And in one way, it's, it's you know, taking her claws off or whatever you want to say. But on the other way, it's, um, it's also very much Star Trek because it feels like, you know, when some observers on the bridge on an original series episode or perhaps next gen, and it feels like that kind of vibe, you know, where... Oh, you know, I want to do this thing. And then they're arguing against you. So it was almost like nostalgia in a sense. You know, it's like, oh, I remember this with Kirk and the the one guy or Picard and the other guy or whatever, you know, where they're having that argument. So that's kind of fun. And I, and I would say that they, you know, at least they stick to some kind of theme here. You know, this notion of balance and middle ground and whatnot. You know, it's 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 balancing, you know, the, the mission versus your feelings or the you know, one side's perspective versus another, this kind of thing. So I, I, I do feel this episode is, is beyond the, the last one. I wouldn't say it's the best thing ever, but I, I, I do think it's, it's relatively solid because they stick to a theme and you bring back characters, you, you introduce some interesting elements. So that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I totally agree that this one, there's more going on here. I enjoyed it more than the previous one. Honestly, it has nothing to do with the fact that there's ship battles and space stuff. That's oh, it looks very cool. Yeah, I mean, it, does look, it does look cool, but that's not the reason it's a better episode. You know, it's there's actual character things going on. There's actual theme, thematic stuff going on that's that's new and interesting. I like that they brought Non back. Something I was talking about a little bit in our previous episode discussion, but, you know, I like that they will bring back a random character like this. I liked her. I always liked her. Um, I thought she was cool, and uh, they brought her back, and she really had something to do. You know, don't don't bring them back if you don't have a good reason. And I thought they found a pretty good reason. And I, yeah, and I, I, I had that same thought. Yeah, like Kirk with a commandant, or what was the what was the weird rank that they only ever used in those situations? Oh, a com- commodore. Commodore, that's right, commodore. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we saw a commodore in one of the newer shows. Was it this one or Picard? There was a commodore somewhere. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it reminded me of Kirk with the the commodore, and so I enjoyed that. Wasn't much to it, but it was cool to see Saru lead an away team, even if it was a bust and didn't last long. But the, I like the idea of that. I'd like to see more of that. I like him as a character, and I I like it when he he leads. I, I don't know. It was a little bit when the two guys up front were arguing, and Saru and Culber like talk them down. It's like I don't. That, that seemed completely inappropriate that they would even be having that argument right then. It seemed kind of silly. And Do you think that was just manufactured more about? What's kind of going on in the world? Do you think that, that was a comment on, on Well, even if it was, society? it had no place at that moment. It didn't no, I know I agree, but do you think yeah. that's what they were trying to do, is comment on society today there? Probably, yeah. Well, is, we've, we've talked about this, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, when Burnham realizes what she needs going to do is to take a shuttle over there to try and talk to him face-to-face between glass, they're literally in the middle of a ship-to-ship battle firing 
phasers and photon torpedoes at each other. And she takes Nan into the briefing room. Oh, let's have a quick chat. I mean, it, it was the wrong time for that conversation. It didn't make it's like while they're talking, they could be, you know, <laughs> shot. Um, so that was kind of silly, but we've had that complaint on this show before. Well, I mean, I know I'm com- complaining about, I sympathize with what the writers are kind of having to go through. I mean, you know, they spent a lot of time setting up the book and Burnham relationship and I, and I liked it. You know, I've, I've always liked it. I still like it. And overall book is not a bad character, but it, they have him doing bad thing. I guess that's kind of the, the another unevenness of this. It's like both these characters book and um, Tarka, and obviously know far less about Tarka. And maybe this is what they're going for. So you can sympathize with them. They don't, they're not bad people. We know books, not bad. And we know Tarka is not bad. Although his reasonings are, are very selfish because he just wants to get to this other reality that he wants to go to. So I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to balance that because you're going after these people for, you know, that are going to potentially do horrible things, but at the same time, you still like him. So it's a hard balance. And I don't, it's, I find it a little bit uneven at times. I mean, I understand wanting to give the show drama and what's more dramatic than um, having Burnham and Book at odds on this show. I, I understand that, but it doesn't seem there's a level of rationality and logic and that Book just completely lacks. And, and I said, I, I'll, I'll give him credit, you know, for his whole planet was destroyed, but we're getting far enough away from that where it's feeling more and more irrational, his actions. And then at the end, though, when he's talking with Burnham and then he just, he turns on the, the privacy thingy and says, you know, I think we need to do this. I mean, that entire scene, I'm like, well, as soon as they're done talking, Tark is going to push the button. Yeah, there was no. I mean, I, I just knew he was going to push the button. There was no surprise there at all. And how did how many times does he need to violate Book's trust before Book is standing there thinking, if I tell him I'm going to agree to this, he's going to push the button? <laughs> how does he not think this? How does he not know yeah. that? I doesn't. I don't. What? I don't like feeling like I'm ahead. Like I'm ahead of the show or the characters. It, it's a bad look. Yeah, they didn't do Book's Book's character any favors because it kind of there's a naivety to it. You know, it's like, why are you trusting this guy? over you know the woman you love yeah there were there were multiple times in this episode that one and earlier also where you just you just kind of feel that you know what's going to happen i mean essentially when you don't see when they're when they're making their big plan first off when they're making the big plan it feels like one of a thousand different films where they're setting the stage for a big heist or something and it doesn't go like it says so you know it's not going to be that way. So immediately you know that. Second, they when once they do it, you know everything is just off, and the characters. It, yeah, it, it it just it just you kind of, you kind of are ahead of it. That's true. That's absolutely true. The very final moments of the episode did surprise me. Actually, um, the new DMA reappearing where the old one was. I wasn't really sure how they were going to go there, but I, I like that. And that was a nice little cliffhanger into the next episode. And is it Burnham or Saru that has the line, you know, ready or not, we've just made first contact or something like that. Yeah. It's both of them. I think Saru starts the line and Burnham finishes oh, it. Yes. So I like that, you know, if we weren't doing our podcast, <laughs> I would have, I would have uh, gone into the next episode. 
That was good. So, so it's, all, it's almost been like several days since I what. So Tarka and Book just um, they they just four drived off. They're, we don't know yeah, where they're at at the moment. And she says they were trying to contact them. They're not answering. So and Tarka didn't find what he wanted, right? Or did he? Right. Well, he determined that the power source was actually it was always being powered mm. from the other side of the world. That's right. That's right. From I guess the other side of the galactic barrier. Some of that stuff's a little bit unclear to me. But right. Right. All right, so we all agree that this, this episode was certainly better than the previous one. And the main reason for that, we've kind of hinted on it, but let's go over it one more time, what it's about. Well, what's this episode about? What, it, what I kind of found what it was about, it's obviously there's a theme here, you know, I'm holding to your morals and, you know, holding to the, in this case, the Federation morals about peaceful contact and fighting for that. Um, on the other side, you know, you have Book and Tarka who are fighting for the same thing, but in a, in a more you know, like you said, in a more conflicting way. So you have those two, those two counter, counter, counter things going on is who's right and who's wrong. I mean, it's, you can make the argument both ways. So you still have that, those themes going on here. Um, in the end, it was, you know, the relationship between Book and Burnham, he eventually did come to the, the conclusion that I can, you know, there's one more week I can trust her and it's, it's, it's worth doing. So those are the kind of the themes that I took out of this. Yeah, it, it's it's middle ground. It's compromise. You know, the the cynical view on that is compromises the notion that no party gets whatever they want, right? But on the other hand, the other side of it is you you don't if one side just takes advantage and tries to get whatever they want, a whole lot of people suffer and lose, and so. In this episode, you have Burnham and Book in this interesting situation because they're in a personal relationship, but on each side, they have someone who's wanting to pull the trigger to take the other side full force. And, you know, there's this battle to try to stick to the middle, you know, to keep, to make it so that everyone gets something out of it to, you know, gets what they want. So I, I, I think it has something to say. It does, it's pretty consistent. It does a good job of it. So I would like to point out that legally, Book should be entirely as responsible for the destruction yep. of the DMA and breaking all the rules as Tarka is. If you and another yes. good dude like agree to rob a bank and you break in the front door, and then right before you're going to leave with the money, you say, I've changed my mind. Sorry, you're still just as guilty again, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting, you know, where, where Book's character goes for. I'm predicting right now that I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> that Book will suffer zero consequences for these actions. He's probably going to have to, like, save the day in some way or, you know, be the one that kind of helps correct this. Who knows? Right. They'll have to, yeah, so you can get basically a, a plea deal or something. It ends with him, like, saving the day and then going away. Remember what happened to uh, Penny Johnson? Cassidy Yates. Penny Johnson's character on Star Trek Deep Space Nine she did some yes. illegal stuff. She still tried to help out. She tried to turn around. She still went to prison for a while. Yeah, She was gone. And I bet that's not what happens. Let's do six degrees for Rubicon. Adam? Yes. Commander Nan was last seen in the episode Die Trying. What season of Discovery was that? Season three? Yep. I guess my questions were too easy today. I mean, good grief. Uh, what season could simple. it be? They have to be in the present, and it's been a long time. <laughs> one, one. That's why, that's why we need the buzzer, Steve. We need the yeah, buzzer. Right, right, the buzzer. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this last time. I've had, like, at least three different people reference, and I think, Adam, you did somebody. Said, a lot of people talking about this, this uh, 
new Star Trek movie. Oh, look, it's going to move forward. And my response immediately was, talk to me when they're rolling the cameras. I don't, I don't believe it until they're shooting. Then I believe it. I don't see what's so different about this than all the other, you know, false starts and all this stuff. And apparently this is almost even worse because they announced that they were moving forward with a movie without having made the cast deals. Right. Well, on what planet does that make any sense? So I, I don't know. I read the cast was surprised at the announcement. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that kind of takes away your leverage mm-hmm. <laughs> for negotiating. So, yeah. Hey, of course. I hope they make a movie. I'll be first in line to fight to see it even before it comes out. <laughs> but this doesn't seem any different from half a, literally half a dozen other announcements that have been made in the last few years. So we'll see. How long is too long to go back to that cast? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pushing it. It's been six years, right? Yeah. So that was the yeah. 50th anniversary that we got yeah. beyond. Because yeah. I'm like you, Brian. I'd, I'd love to see that cast again in a movie, but I'm like, is it just going to be another one-off movie that, you know, I think that's kind of been the disappointing thing that I've had with this, these last, you know, Star Trek films. Not that I haven't enjoyed all but one of them. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're all just kind of one-offs. There's no, there's no arc or theme to what they're they're telling. They're kind of, you know, it's kind of like what, you know, they're just one-off movies. All right. So, Hey, we're back. We're doing discovery and all that stuff. And that's cool. I mentioned last time that I think we've decided what we're going to do next. Here's our plan, and I'm mentioning it now. If any of our listeners have any strong opinions about this, let us know if, if you think there's, there's a better idea here. But I think what we're going to do, it's going to be a combination of our normal reviewing episodes that have been from past seasons and also live like we've done Discovery Season 4. Because I do think to this life, there's something to this life stuff. Our conversation in this very episode, talking about, you know, book, it would have been very different if we already knew how the season ends, and right? Or the entire series, for that matter. So that it, it's interesting. I mean, it's different. And we've been doing this podcast a long time. It's fun to find a new way to look at stuff and talk about things. So what we're going to do is, after we finish Discovery Season 4, we're going to do Lower Decks Seasons 1, 2, and 3. And then we think that means that for season three, we will line up with the live airing of Lower Decks season three, followed by Picard seasons one, two, and three. And we think that means we will line up with talking about Picard's third season live. So that is kind of our plan. And if anybody has any strong opinions one way or the other, we'd love to hear from you. So... That's also going to allow us personally, at least allow me to watch Picard season two entirely for enjoyment and not be taking notes like we do for a podcast. Cause I really, there's some stuff in there I'm excited to see and I'm looking forward to watching it the first time, not for our podcast. Right. So therein lies a downside to live discussions. All right. Uh, so let's see. You can send us an email, trackcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. We are very grateful to be back discussing two episodes again. And we are going to be doing it again two weeks from now. So thank you for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you.
Stefan and Pastor.